You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. Hello, hello, hello. It's that time of the week. Actually, it's a day early, but never mind. We want to talk about the state of the game in this country. State of Our Football Nation. George Stanekian, Josh Parrish. He's the man with a flying licence and the ability to run those controls. Uh, we're going to touch on so many elements of uh, the stories that are that are impacting uh, a whole bunch of different people right around the country and, ar- and around the world because there are some huge questions that are being asked. And let's start at the very beginning. It's been a humongously controversial day. Uh, we've been stunned, shocked, surprised by the latest word from uh, the magnificent champion of Australian tennis, namely one Ash Barty. Uh, Philip McAuliffe said, uh, the Barty's over, <laughs> which I thought was a pretty good line. But here's something for Philip and for everyone else to chew on. I think I may have worked out what's at the whole middle of this. Mm. There's a very good reason. If you listen to the, the presser that she did with young Casey... Uh, uh, Bal- uh, What's Casey's Devalacqua? De, uh, De is it? Is it the correct yes. pronunciation? Okay, Casey's a great friend of hers. They play, they play doubles together. She knows very much of what's been going on in her life. Uh, some people have been saying uh, Ash has decided that she's going to, you know, have a family. That may well be the case. But here's something I want to talk to you about, Josh Parrish. I'm thinking she's had a good look, and 12 months away. There's a Women's World Cup, the biggest single event for women down under. She's a fantastic striker. I'm thinking we need her alongside Sam Kerr. Would that not be quite something to behold? I feel like you're trying to beat the AFL to the punch here, George. <laughs> Why not? The <laughs> AFL is, you know, has jumped on you know, football Australia and, and soccer for the last 30, 40 years. Anything you know, soccer's done or football's done, they can do better. They only started a national football league because of the NSL. Mm. They were absolutely uh, flabbergasted when soccer became the national football code in Australia. They, th- they thought, how dare they, you know, jump the gun and upset our flow, our history. And I'm here to tell you that I'm happy to do that to the AFL again. I'm putting my hand up and saying, Ash Barty, should you need a conduit to the Matildas, we are happy at FNR to broker it. What a great story it would be. <laughs> well, I mean, she said she was spent, but, you know. No, no, no. She a... said she had a number of goals to pursue. Mm. That suggests to me, do you think goals <laughs> are near the net? <laughs> yeah, and it's, wouldn't it be quite, even if she's our ambassador for the Matildas, sure. I would wear that. I would wear it. Ash Barty leading the Matildas onto the opening contest of the Women's World Cup coming up next year. Oh, man, that would be quite something. Um, I think she could find a certain uh, value alignment with the team as well. Oh, oh, on about 50 different levels. Mm -hmm. Um, A tremendously uh, worldly young woman who's done a power of good for Indigenous uh, uh, sportsmen and women. And we saw the Matildas posing with an Aboriginal flag before their Olympics Correct. game as well. Correct. So. And we've got some terrific uh, Indigenous players in the Matildas side. Um, and I just think, yes, we're having a bit of fun to start off the program. But now that would be quite something. And Ash, you know, we're not backward at FNR. If you need any assistance whatsoever, we're very happy <laughs> to jump on board and assist where we can. And speaking of assistance... Um, what's in a name, Josh Parrish? Usually a, a, a jumble of letters. Jumble of letters. But it's about ownership. It's about um, a branding exercise mm. normally, isn't it? Because it separates you and me. You're Josh Parrish, or if I go the formal, Joshua Parrish. Um, I think I'm in I'm, trouble when you say I'm, that. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like well, I sound like the headmaster, do I? <laughs> or just the chair. Oh. Um, look, I, I'm sitting on the chair. Um, there, there are two Melbourne clubs. You would think they'd be able to get together and sort out the problem. We're talking about the Moreland Zebras and 
Brunswick Juventus, who also are Brunswick Zebras, mm. right? And they've been uh, at odds, almost having a good hot go, trying to uh, say that the other is uh, impeding or stepping on their territory. And I'm thinking, let's be adult. Let's work out what the problem is. Uh, let's let's get to the, the nub of, of the challenge and address it. Let's not go to the courts. Let's not create more headlines than it's worth. One is the uh, Moreland Zebras, a tr- tremendously competitive uh, team in the heart of um, what I, I know is Moreland, one of the biggest uh, suburbs, full of diversity, and uh, Moreland doing a tremendous job and has been building and building and building. They want to be major players. And, of course, the Brunswick Zebras, who are really uh, Brunswick Juventus. So uh, the fun and games, um, you know, have a name that was chosen to actually unite as uh, the uh, reporter. Who's the reporter? Just uh, we, we, we need to credit him because he's, uh, he's Clay a Lucas piece. Clay in Lucas. the age. Well done, Clay, in the age. Um, deserving story. Um, you've covered... Most of the information as as needed. Now we need to get on on the top of it. Why don't the two clubs come on FNR and let's talk about it. Let's offer them a a platform on State of Our Football Nation. Come on and and give us your best pitch. And at the end of the day, let's get to the bottom of it. Let's not drag it on, and especially through the courts. Because as a very good friend of mine, Nick Soklev from the Northern Motor Group, told me only the other day, he is mortified by what's happened uh, in that tussle between the Preston Lions, mm. that uh, you're doing a tremendous uh, in, a new program with them tomorrow, and good luck with that. And you, I notice you've put the, the Socceroos ball out front because we're going to feature them as well. Yes. Uh, so a new time slot for the Lions, Dan. Hence why we're doing the show today instead of the usual 5 p.m. Okay. Thursdays. Okay. Because... Of course, we've got the Socceroos World Cup qualifier, 8.10pm yep. kickoff. Yep. We didn't want to go head-to-head with the Roos. And, uh, you know, that's, <laughs> Most that's, astute. that's a ratings war that I don't think Channel 10 wants a bar of. So we, we decided uh, we would spare them. See, already, if the Zebras are listening, they should just understand <laughs> what's at play here. Compromise. Yeah, compromise. 7pm, so we're doing the show live from BT Connor Reserve, the new pavilion. Fantastic. And we're inviting a live studio audience. <laughs> so it might get a little rowdy. We're going to have some say, audience contributions. We're going to have the barbecue t- going. When was the last time you did a program in front of a live audience? It's been a while. I think uh, we did one with the Knights at St. Andrew's Hotel, which was yeah. a great success. It was yeah. a real hit. Yeah. So hopefully uh, get a similar atmosphere going. And Is Nick lead- DeBarno going to be out there? I don't think he will. It'll be me and myself and, uh, and Pakur Frimpong as my assistant. And yes. then we've got a lot of special guests from the club, including uh, the captain of the women's team, Di Pikulovsky, and the senior men's captain, who you might be familiar with, George. Yes. The great Turkish international, Ersan Gulam. Oh, my God. There you go. There you go. Still loves the game. Still love the... Oh, look. And, you know, he's 34. He's earned plenty of money in his career playing in China and so forth. He could have packed it in or he could have gone to whichever MPL one club would have given him the biggest weekly paycheck, but he decided that he wanted to play for a team where he's going to have a good atmosphere at the sure. games. and be competitive. And, you know, it's going to really mean something. And he's he's impressed everybody in preseason so much so that he was a near unanimous choice by the playing group uh, in his first season at the club to, to wear the captain's arm, Ben. Oh, congratulations to him. And I, I, he reminds me of, of, of another captain, another guy with a fierce determination to play and win, Rama Tafsanjirlu, yeah, who did a tremendous job for us at uh, uh, South Melbourne in those days. And Rama, uh, you know, just would not take a backward step and would always lift everyone around him. And uh, if um, the current captain of Preston is doing the same sort of thing, uh, fantastic. That augurs well, suggests that there's a big season coming up. Um, uh, I Still noticed... playing Rama, by the way. I think he's at Nunna Wadding again. Is that this right? Year? Yeah. That, that just goes to show you that there's no quit in those boys. Mm. They just like... To, to compete. And look, I, I can tell you, we've spoken to Peter Catholis, right? Mm. And Peter's about 100 years of age. He's not, <laughs> not really, but, you know, he, sometimes he feels it, sometimes he doesn't. And 
as as long as I can remember, whenever I've, I've I've thought of Peter, he would play every weekend when he was competitive, and he would play every Sunday if, you know, uh, with with the others, the the mates, the boys, and he would play full on. There is no quit, um, and it's just built into their into their makeup. Um, and and it says an awful lot. It keep, it's look. It's another way to to keep healthy. We're talking about uh, main, maintaining good health. We're talking about uh, especially with the tragedies, the recent tragedies with Shane Warne, fifty two years of mm. age. Who would have thought that we would lose a champion like that at such an early age? But these are some of the battles that are being fought at the moment, and uh, we've had a, a you know a very tough couple of years uh, mentally. And physically, uh, people have been challenged by being one cooped up, and challenged that their you know that some of their career has been impacted by uh, you know decisions beyond their reach, beyond their capability to control, and that takes uh, a real assessment. It, it takes a a real positive outlook to get on top of it and say, okay, it's a challenge. We've addressed it. It's a bit like being in a storm. If if we're on, on a yacht or, or or a sailing ship, what do you do in a storm? Well, you batten down the hatches, don't you? You don't set the spinnaker and say, let's ride this baby out. No, no, no. You, you trim the sails. Uh, you take stock of uh, your, your possible safety uh, places to get to, an island that's not necessarily mm. remote and lost, uh, and one that has great Wi-Fi is always recommended. <laughs> so if you're going to go on a remote island, make sure it has great Wi-Fi, Okay. So you've, you've lost me, George. <laughs> you've, you've you've gone adrift. It's been that sort of show. You've taken me from my my comfort Thursday, and you've put me <laughs> in in horror Wednesday. Uh, all all for the sake of making sure that Preston and the Socceroos have space. Mm. Yeah, um, I have a couple of mates that we we can never be in the same city at the same time. <laughs> Because the city's just ain't big enough for us, yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's a bit like that. Uh, look, it promise tomorrow promises to be um, a remarkable day on about fifty different levels. Um, it could be a day of history. It could be a day of tragedy. No, it mm. it will be a day of history because uh, one way or the other, the boys win and do something that lifts the country, uh, or they slip up against a terrific opponent. Can I just remind everyone, it is sport, it's not a tragedy, uh, nor am I making a bed for them to get an easy out. Um, Some of the greatest football nations in this world of ours have failed to make um, the World Cup. Uh, And we're talking uh, Mm. France, we're talking... Um, well, Italy very Italy, recently, yeah, very Italy, and others. <laughs> Nick Dubana does not like to be reminded of that. And, and Portugal may not make it. So, I mean, these are countries that are steeped in football. Yeah. Uh, so understand that so much of life is cyclical. So much of sport is cyclical. You watch your teams come and go, unless of course they're Manchester United, in which case they just spend so much money they can't possibly be outside the top ten. Or the top five. <laughs> oh, sorry, top four. Damn. I'm, I always I'm, had them where I wanted them. I'm, I'm not sure uh, Manchester United is the best example of <laughs> stable <laughs> success. Well, no, they've been stable. They just haven't won. That's true. They've been extraordinarily stable, and they've and they've got uh, you know a tremendous brand. Uh, I, you know, in in iconic terms, which are the biggest brands in the world right now? Mm. Go on. Well, you're wearing one of them. Yeah, I'm, I am. There you go, one Nike. And it's only because they just got out there from day one and created a space for themselves and they made a statement, let's just do it. Yeah, And it's worked forever and a day. So back to the Socceroos, yeah, World Cup qualifying. Yep. This has drawn a little bit of, of controversy. And fire. Mm. Yeah, and, wh- and why is that, uh, young Joshua? Well, <laughs> Socceroos have Joshua? attempted to, uh, to call up uh, some late injury cover, um, and you know they have included Ryan McGowan and Alex Wilkinson, thirty-seven years young. Alex Wilkinson in the squad Tremendous for player. these two big, big games yep. against Japan and Saudi Arabia. I, I see where you're going with this. You're going to ask me the question about young Curtis Good, who's I been am. very good for City and uh, would have been very good had he been available, but uh, he wasn't on the list of fifty. So. 
This, this took me a little, little while to work out how the administrative process uh, okay. goes down, um, but this is a long list that is a couple of weeks before the final squad announcement. Uh, Football Australia sends around this list and basically puts the clubs on notice saying we might call up your player. It's a FIFA-mandated window, so therefore the clubs have no say in the matter. If the player gets called up yep. and wants to play for the national team, they can go, and okay. whether they're missing club games or not. And the A-League still doesn't observe international windows because of the fixture backlog that we're still chasing our tail on. All those games cancelled due to COVID just had no way. And it's a late season start as well. Correct. Had had really no way to, to incorporate an international break the, this these year. These windows will be addressed next year? That's that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we won't run into this club okay. versus country problem again. Okay. So raise the question, the elephant in the room. Go so, on, ask the question. Having not been included on the long list of 50 initially, but we know that Socceroos first teamers are dropping like flies at the moment. Mm-hmm. And we've lost so many players through injury, through COVID, close contacts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, that they've turned to Curtis Good as injury cover for these two games. And Melbourne City have turned around and said, you can't have him because he's he wasn't not, on the list. not on the list of 50. So whether that's an administrative oversight from Football Australia, not including a player that you might might call up in the end, um, maybe it was he was left off by mistake. Perhaps they didn't expect to go this deep on the depth chart, but mm-hmm. largely it's been the midfielders and not the defenders that they've lost. So Twitter's had a field day. Mm. It's been a free kick. But for should Twitter. Melbourne City, for the good of the national team, for the good of Australia in this in this torrid time that we're in, with two do or die games before the playoffs, potentially, mm-hmm. should they drop everything and say, Curtis Good, go off and sit on the bench for the Socceroos in case Trent Sainsbury or Milos Degenek go down? In case. Mm. In case. Because he probably won't play. Even if he's in the squad, he probably doesn't play. The fingers crossed, our two first-choice centre-backs make it through. So why has uh, the, the club taken such a huge hit in the last... Uh, 24 hours? Well, because uh, I think... If he's not going to play... Look, if he's going to play, I think there's a slightly different decision to be had. Uh, my, I would address it this way. If he was the first choice centre-half, right? Mm. Or, or, or the became the first choice centre-half. We're only one the, injury away, to be fair. All right. Um, but at the moment, he's not chosen, is he? No, he or wouldn't nor, be in the. Nor would, was he chosen. He wouldn't be in the eleven, okay. even despite the wave of injuries we've okay. had. So, I'm thinking uh, there's a there's a there's a very interesting uh, question. Logically, if he was first choice, I would love to think that Melbourne City would see fit to find a way to say, you know what, extraordinary circumstances, we would uh, let him play, and I'm sure Curtis would put his hand up and play. But he's not the first choice. Mm. He, he wasn't the second choice. He wasn't the third. He wasn't on the 50. So an, admis- an administrative faux pas, perhaps, but he wasn't in the 50. So suddenly things have transpired. You know, as they say in the, in the storybooks, shit happens. And at the moment, uh, we are now all looking for excuses my view is there's there are enough good players in that squad. Uh, it's about understanding that against the 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 uh, current uh, betting, uh, Japan looks to be all over it. They, they may as well not turn up. They, they've already got the result. Well, no, they haven't. The game's got to be played. Anything can happen. As far as I'm concerned, a tremendous opportunity to create history. These are the moments when you can do magical things and, and sometimes a serial pest can lurk. <laughs> um, look, it, it's... Given the stakes at play in this game, though, surely, uh, surely I've, City I've told you have about to... the stakes. It's a, it's a, it's a game of mm. football. It's a game of sport. Um, as as uh, the, the marvellous Ash Barty has, has just reminded us all, um, she's just retired mm. at 25. And she could, she could have won another half a dozen tournaments, played for another five years. Uh, but I think deep down, one, she's looking at the Matildas and thinking, 
Sam Kerr, I'm, I'm there. Or she's thinking about a family, and uh, I think that's an exciting thing. Whatever she wants to do, bless her. But if you want to talk Matildas, we can, we can, we can make that happen. Um, so I, I've, I've addressed that element of it. Um, ideally, it would be if, if he was the first choice uh, centre back um, uh, or a senior player in the squad. I'd say, yeah, okay, the club, you know, can and should put its hand up. But I don't think that's the case, and it wasn't the case. So, fair play to City, who are getting ready to play Brisbane Raw as mm. we speak. Um, uh, that won't be easy. Brisbane Raw got a, had a win the other day. They are starting to look like the side that you said. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the of the competition, they've got they've got that look about them. Moon's got them playing a style of football. I think they're the darky. Well, hey, if they are the dark horse in the competition and are just starting to gather themselves, they've mm. got enough games up their sleeve. How many behind? How many games do they have to play to to make up? Not, I think one uh, city have nineteen games. I think they've played. And Brisbane Roar have maybe played, what? 15. Uh, 15. So four games to Still make Still they've up. made me wait to uh, see any glimpse of the team I thought they'd be, George. But <laughs> you know they say good things come to those who wait. Um, but that's the point, is that Curtis Good would miss three Melbourne City games if he was to be included in the squad, which is a big sacrifice. It is a big sacrifice. To have your first choice defender missing four games against Brisbane, MacArthur and Wellington. Um, you know, well, he's unlikely hey, to make it back for Wellington. Well, you and I talked about the, the MacArthur game, and I told you how surprised I was about how big they are physically mm. and, how, and, and, and what a combative um, um, uh, side MacArthur looks. So that's probably a game that you want Curtis oh, Good in the team Oh, you absolutely for. want him there. Um, and I wish, I wish everyone luck. I don't want uh, injuries to, to play a, mm. a role. Um, you, you want the boys to play... Uh, and look, the season has had enough, and already, and already, we're seeing questions being asked of the AFL. This mighty com- uh, competition that does no wrong. The first week of the tribunal, and already there are two decisions that the rest of the country cannot understand. So, uh, you know, it seems like we're creating sport in this day and age just for Twitter, <laughs> just for drama, <laughs> you just think. for drama. But, I mean. Yes. What would you what would you have them do? What would you have City do right now? I, I saying think... what you've saying what you've said, explaining it how you explained it, that he wasn't on the fifty, he wasn't a first choice, second choice, third choice. What would you demand of them today with tomorrow's with, with tomorrow's game almost upon us? I I honestly you know, I've thought about it, I've gone back and forth, but I think international football has to come first. And everything that we do should be in service of the national team's success in terms of developing players, in terms of, you know, the flow-on benefits of Australia qualifying versus not are massive. So even if it only increases our chances of qualification by 0.5%, knowing that Curtis Good would be in reserve should should Sainsbury or Degenek, you know, test positive for COVID, which is a live possibility given the amount of cases in camp or go down through injuries. We saw Mm -hmm. um, Harry Sutar do, you know, knock on wood, that doesn't happen again. But as we saw him go down in the last uh, qualifier on home soil, we don't want a repeat of that. But if it happens, even if it's only a tiny, tiny marginal gain in the chances of us progressing automatically to the World Cup, Mm -hmm. I think it's worth City missing a, a central defender for three games. How old are you? I'm 27. Okay. Uh, when's your 28th? December. December. You're a Sagittarian, are you? Or yes, yes Sag- Sagittarius. Sag- uh, many happy returns in, in <laughs> December. We're both Sagittarians. The reason I ask that question is because you're a young man with a fantastic future in the game and you've given me enormous um, opportunity to sit back and just listen with pride and, and enjoy what you're doing and how you're, you're developing as a professional. Uh, I think that's just mighty stuff. I just want to ask you um, that sometimes in life, setbacks, mm. um, major uh, 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 setbacks can, can be major recorrection points. And the game at the moment, the game at the moment has got so many people talking it down, 
so many different people with different, uh, you know, points of view. And the game, as we've touched on on a number of occasions in the past, the country that I always look to as a working model for where we should be striving to be is France. And the French have one entity that runs the game and every city, every centre of excellence they have throughout France does what? It has one simple job, to deliver to the French the best possible players they can. And we send have them layer, to Fontaine, yeah. yeah. We have layer upon layer upon layer in this country of different stakeholders. Mm. We may well need a major course recorrection. And the only way it might have to be is through something as tough as this. For the game to go forward, we need one body running the game. Yeah? with everyone else subservient. There are people out there who will not wear that, will not wear that. I've been watching this game for a lifetime. I've only wanted one thing from day one, for the sport to grow and blossom as it has done around the world. There is absolutely mm. no reason. We are our, our biggest um, you know, uh, anchors that are, that are holding it at bay, uh, but in the wrong place. I want those that umbilical cord cut. I want all those anchors jettisoned. And I want us to think, um, you know, we've got a football Australia. We'll let it do its job. Mm. I know it's a tough thing to say. I know that there'll be people out there saying, George, what are you saying? Well, I've watched Sir Arthur George, John Constantine, Sam Papasavis, uh, Jim Bayuti before that. They've all been people who loved the game and wanted the best for Australia. And I've seen at every level, and I've been close to a great many of them, and I've heard both at dinner and lunch and in, in private meetings just how difficult it is and un, how unwieldy the game can be. Well, it's time maybe that we uh, steady the ship. And if we're going to go forward as one, mm. then let's do it in a manner that's proper, that is fit for purpose, and allows so many tremendous people who are in this game, you know, and there are a great – you know, we, we, we talk to Gary Cole, we talk to, to uh, uh, a, mm. a number of others who love the game, love the game and would love to be, you know, participants in it. In other words, and they should all be, you know, we should all be putting our hand up to help the, the game grow, male and female. We have a tremendous and amazing opportunity tomorrow night to create history – or to create a moment when we've got to hit the pause button and take a good long... You know how they say in the AFL, mm. a good hard look at ourselves. That's maybe, true. Maybe it, could that's be, a- it could be the prompting for a bit of a review. I honestly... You would while, hate to see it. While, I, see while I think, obviously, I, I think it should be up to Curtis, first of all. Where if he yes. wants to go, I think he should be allowed to go. And I think he would if he was given course, the choice yes, of course, because everyone course. wants to represent their country. Absolutely. And I, I, I doubt that Curtis Good is thanking his club for this decision. No, no you know, he would. Uh, he'd probably be quite annoyed about it. Because yes, he would because you don't want to be seen to be uh, shirking uh, an enormous exactly. opportunity. Yeah, And I'm sure it's not the case. Um, having said that, if we don't qualify and we're probably not going to at this point, I think if you know, look at the, the betting markets, it's, it doesn't favour us, as you mentioned earlier. So it's not going to be because we didn't have Curtis Good as a backup centre-back. It's no. going to be because we made a rod for our own back earlier in the qualification campaign. And I don't think, you know, the uh, the narrative that's building that, you know, the clubs aren't uh, cooperating with the national team, that, um, you know, Arnie's going to lose because he doesn't have his best players available because of this unprecedented wave of COVID and injuries – Never should have been in this position in the first place where you were demanding wins against the two best teams in the group in the last two match days to secure our place. This this campaign lost its way much, much earlier in games against Oman, against Vietnam, against China, where the side was unable to control the game, unable to keep the ball, unable to generate sufficient goal-scoring chances. And I think that in itself, whether we qualify or not, even if we pull off a miracle, should provoke a deeper introspection, a good, hard, long look in the mirror, as you say, George. Because 
are we developing the sorts of players who are going to help uh, address our uh, our weaknesses in the national team? Are we developing the coaches that will have, you know, the that will be bold enough and brave enough and also tactically adept enough to to craft uh, Steve, the kinds of teams that can play more progressive football. Stephen Darby uh, said in a in a recent tweet, and um, Conbitianis has said it time and time again. We're not teaching the youngsters to think about being resourceful. We're not not telling them to work at their game, to be as technically proficient as possible. That's not part of the early training. It's all about a particular system and trying to fit it in. Mm. And yet, and yet, I heard a former Brisbane Raw uh, player, a Dutchman no less, um, talk about how the Dutch these days, the juniors. Uh, it's demanded of them that they that they learn to be resourceful, to to be problem solvers on the pitch from very early on. Uh, and I'm fascinated to 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 hear that sort of talk coming from someone like that who's played in this country, uh, because a great many of our stars of the past, that's how they learnt. Mm. They learnt from very young how to be resourceful, how to take on uh, you know different bodied opponents. And cope. Mm. Uh, oh, geez, I didn't run into a six foot five guy until I was eighteen. No, no rubbish. Yeah, they, they had guys who were six foot three, six foot two. You're quite, yeah, talking about independent thinkers on the pitch. Yeah, I and think, I, I think we do produce some of those players, but not in the numbers that we need. Not in the numbers that we need, and also when we do find those those talents, they're often held back by risk averse coaches who are scared to put them in the game because. If they're making their own decisions, they're not necessarily listening to everything the coach says. And if they don't listen to what the coach says, maybe they'll give the ball away. Maybe they'll concede a goal. And I think that is the biggest barrier uh, with what I see in the A-League at the moment, how it connects to the the Socceroos. Uh, Players of invention and players of creativity who are not given the keys, so to speak. And we, we talked about Bruno Fornaroli getting the call-up. Call Ama- amazing story. Yeah, it's a great story. A- amazing story. But an A-League team gave Bruno Fornaroli the license to do what he did because he was a pricey Uruguayan import of great pedigree. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't necessarily see a club put push all their chips in the middle of the table on a young player to play as their number nine up front. Usually we turn to a foreign import for that kind of thing. Usually we give our local players the more physical jobs, central defenders, fullbacks, you know, wingers, up and down the touchline, give me some energy. Yeah. And, then, and then when we actually need a, a bit of cutting edge and a bit of creativity, we look elsewhere for an Argentinian or a Brazilian or a Frenchman. Uh, do you remember that, uh, that uh, uh, what is it, a season or two mm. where City had just delivered... Uh, Bruno Fornaroli, they had just reached out and grabbed a Frenchman, and it wasn't Florian Berenguer. It was that uh, young swagger. Harry Navier? Navier, yeah. yeah. And he came, and uh, Ross McCormick was also in the mix, I think, at the time. Or was, I think he came or was, slightly later. He's slightly later. Okay. Do you remember some of the early chatter on, on Twitter and other social media outlets? You know, Bruno played in Greece, couldn't score a goal. We are notorious. We are notoriously fickle. Mm. Uh, what Bruno discovered was that in this league, his style of play, his smarts and his ability to hold the ball up and let others in played right to his strengths. Mm. And he was quite something. He was a revelation, especially in that first year when he started to do things, and Navio came and gave him yet another outlet. And uh, there was nothing more exciting at Amy to watch them, you know, maraud, you know, just treat, treat the opposition as mm. welcome country, you know. <laughs> they came down uh, from both sides. I can remember a particular game. I think it might have been, it might even have been against victory. It was a derby. And uh, we saw Rabona <laughs> from... Uh, from um, uh, um, Bruno and the crowd just lit up. Um, and, but there's no question. And I that... say to people time and time again, 
we are so quick to judge. Absolutely so quick to judge. And there's no question that they're valued at the likes of Bruno and Navio and Fernando Brandan, for example. You know, flair players brought in from outside can add to the competition and can yep. draw crowds when, yep. you know, people start to see what they're capable of. But in some ways that conflicts with our other goals uh, for what the A-League can and should be. And in a way, Graham Arnold, who's now crying poor a lot of the time about the lack of minutes for young Australian players when he's trying to... You know, he was trying to manage the Oli Roos uh, until recently, uh, tr- trying to find the talent and seeing much of it stymied on the bench. But then you look at what he did when he was in charge of Sydney FC, and he was guilty of many of the same things. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. With the likes of Ninkovic and Mia Zajewski and Bobo being the players who were given the licence. Think about this, though. You have been anointed to be the coach of Sydney, and you've got your bosses mm. saying, we want wins, Right. Very hard, very hard to be, as you say, bold. Um, and, and there's only one guy who's done it really with, with uh, the sort of acclaim, uh, maybe two. Um, uh, no, no, I was going to say Popovich. You could almost add Popovich to that, but he hasn't been that bold. He, he, he plays his, his players that he's, you know, worked on and, and mm. their season and their mature types. He's, he's never he been one really, to blood too no, many. The only, the only person I can remember who's done it consistently and did it with, uh, with rare acclaim was uh, Ange. And you saw how, how Ange mm. was treated. And, in fact, there's a special, I think, on is it Optus tonight or tomorrow? Mm. Might be tonight, uh, where he, he's talking to Mark Schwarzer and he said, look, I got more acclaim, more, more support, uh, more respect from my Japanese audience yeah, than mm-hmm. I did from, from anybody in Australia. And that's, that's really sad. Mm. That's really sad. I can tell you from the people who loved Ange, he's, he's, he's had nothing but support, mm. right? But there are a whole bunch of others who typical because, I, you know, Ange was a Victorian mm. and we have this extraordinary problem in this country. We're parochial to the very mm. nth degree. And it was seen during the height of COVID. During the height of COVID, we had a bunch of premiers playing their own game, running their own rules, and deciding how everybody else was going to live, which was appalling. Mm. You don't call yourself Australia if all you're talking about is Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia. I, I think WA. in a lot of ways it, it comes back and Tassie, to... Tassie, must never forget Tassie. <laughs> I think in a lot of ways it does come back to uh, your priorities and who you're answering to, as you say, and... I think it's, sometimes those, you know, I, I think in Australian football, it should be, I don't know if you, I don't know how you can mandate it, to be honest, you can't. but I would like to see more coaches being given obvious KPIs to introduce young players into the team and see them flourish as a judge of their performance and not just where they finish on the table. And, you it would know, require a national director mm. to get a directive from the top to mm. say, we've employed you to instill this ambition in our coaches and uh, that's what we should be instructing to and a way all of it them has to, do. to In a way, it has to come back to self-interest from the clubs in terms of... Ooh, what, self-interest. You want to back self-interest. Well, mm, no, no, no. Okay. But the only way that you're going to incentivize this is it's what's in it for us. And I think what is in it for the clubs is potentially transfer fees down the line for the players who do excel. And that's something that Adelaide are starting to get their heads around and starting to make the most of. Not City to an extent mm-hmm. with Nathaniel Atkinson and, and others. And Connor Metcalf. Uh, yeah, about Metcalf. Go. He's yep. going to St. Yep. Pauli. They've, they've, they've had their success with Azani mm. and with Aaron Moy, who was the first of yep. the, uh, that City group that really went and made a difference. And indeed, we saw him blossom in, in uh, what mm. was a tremendous time at Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, but those are the only two clubs that I can see. It's it's part of their priority behind the scenes to develop young players for export, if you will, which which would have a positive flow-on effect. I for have a sneaking suspicion. Programs. If you listen carefully to John Tatsimus last last week when we had him on the program, mm. who's the outgoing CEO of the, the Western Sydney Wanderers, I think they are pitching that tent. I think they are going to be pumping 
that sort of philosophy into their makeup. I think Rudan is there, yes, to bring results, but also to give the West uh, and its youth uh, a real outlet. And I think you're going to be seeing the cream of the Western youth, male and female, uh, in in the best possible training conditions, as you, as you mm. see, they're building some wonderful things. That may well be uh, the next step. And of course, Western United, as we've heard, uh, although they've they've got a long way to go because they're still uh, going to build that um, uh, that training setup, which they've now announced. And interestingly, they're getting ever closer to that stadium at Tarnit, which uh, has been like a like a a terrible uh, anvil around their neck. It's been dragging them down. Um, uh, so depending on who wants to run the uh, the commentary, uh, it's either a bold and brave decision or it's just a, a lot of hot air. Uh, look, for me, we have some major, major questions to answer. Tomorrow, it's, it's, it's looming uh, very quickly now. Um, it's Japan. And, and what a Japanese side is going to be at Stadium Australia tomorrow. The Japanese have been blossoming. We've seen more and more Japanese players, and we're even seeing Chinese players uh, announcing themselves in the EPL and other competitions around the world. Uh, and that's tremendous. Mm. But that's been coming for, what, 20 years, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, I mean, Japan seems because to have a longer term... Because it was so insular. Seems to have a longer-term plan for... But they've got a plan. Mm. <laughs> At least they've got a plan. When yeah. when the guardians of the galaxy speak of having a plan, <laughs> you know, it's the real plan. Um, look, we need a plan, but we I need I think a also focus. just the, the, the volume of players that Japan is able to produce with three professional divisions. It's one thing to, to have a plan. It's another thing to have the infrastructure that will allow you to incorporate and make that plan come alive. I think we still have too many roadblocks <laughs> Too many, uh, um, uh, what do they call them? Um, not so much roadblocks, but um, uh, what are those things we have in the street that slow us speed down? Speed bumps. Speed bumps. <laughs> we have a number of speed bumps strategically placed across Australia that are causing us not to be able to run at speed. And the AIS, the AIS concept to me, the the idea of a of a of a major uh, uh, you know, mm. fantastic academy to to blood and to uh, and to fine tune that top crop of men and women. That's something that needs to be um, uh, revisited and reintroduced. We hear if it's not making money, then it's dragging us down. No, I think that in this particular case, if it's if it's creating a marvelous um, crop of talent, then. You know, whatever it costs, it's the sort of cost that you have to have. It's that sort of um, investment that you need to make and must make. So for me, they're the important things that you know have to be addressed. And what are we going to see tomorrow? What's your gut feeling? You, you, you're, you're, don't tell me you're a betting man and, you, mm. and you've looked at the uh, looked at the latest betting and gone. It's all over, Rover. Why turn up at Stadium Australia? Look, I'm I'm not optimistic. You know, I could see a draw, but that's no good for the Socceroos. Okay. So So an honorable draw means yeah, naught. Pretty much. Pretty and, much. and I think I think Japan will be more than happy to take a draw away. Um, you know, obviously they'll they'll be even happier with three points, but to stop Australia from getting the three points will will do them quite nicely when it comes to the qualification. So for those who have just entered the conversation and wondering what we're talking about, how many points does Australia need in the next two games? Six. Six. Not much, is it? Mm. Unless, yeah. unless some other results fall extremely favourably for uh-huh. us, which I don't think they will. Uh, looking at the Japanese squad, you know they're not without their own injury issues um, okay. with some unavailabilities. Uh, two out of the three Celtic players are unavailable. For Hashi, no nice good. try, Ench. Thanks very much for that. Well, he hasn't given us Rogic either, so ouch. So you know, I don't think they're too keen to have their players jetting halfway across the world because Scotland doesn't have an international break either. They share that in common with the A League. So, 
No Rogic for us, uh, no Dyson Maeda, and no Kyogo Furuhashi for the Japanese, although Ryo Hatate is in the squad. He hasn't been starting for the Japanese national team lately, much much to the frustration of the uh, the Blue Samurai supporters, I understand. Uh, Yuya Sako, the big target man, uh, you might have seen playing for, for Vissel Kobe against Melbourne Victory, yep. uh, has gone down through injury, and Hiroki Sakai, the... Uh, a veteran uh, fullback um, who's who's half German and half Japanese. Uh, a very distinctive looking guy. Um, um, was the victory he's game? No good either. Was the victory game in the AFC clash mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago, a week yep. and a half or so ago? Uh, was that a preview of tomorrow night? Uh, there were a few players, but it, as I say, Sakai and, and Osaka, the t- two of the Vissel Kobe internationals, are uh, not going to be present. So not not too you know not so much uh, they're actually missing. So uh, the Japanese at least have their first choice uh, midfield available, as well as Junior Ito, who scored that late winner against Australia in Japan. Uh, the winger with the with the sh- with the very bright uh, dyed hair you might remember <laughs> gave Aziz Bayich an absolute bath that night. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little little worried about Junior Ito, but uh, yeah, they've got a very strong team. Um, no Tommy Asu from Arsenal either, which is a okay. big blow. Okay, uh, how many victory players are likely to roll up and play tomorrow? I'm not sure any of them will start. You don't think Falami will play? He won't start. He, he might play off start. the bench. Right. He as might. An, he was as a, an impact he, player. He was. He was only brought in again as an injury replacement. Um, I don't know. No word as to whether he was in the 50 or victory, let him go. <laughs> Haven't inquired, but uh, it would be interesting to know. Nick D'Agostino, of course, is in the mix as well. Uh, but I th- honestly, I can see Bruno Fornaroli playing against Japan. It, it's either him or McLaren, I think it's down to. I mean, Mitch Duke conceivably could start, but I think he's better as, a, as an impact player off the bench. Uh, to provide a bit of chaos when you when you need to sling a few crosses into the box. Uh, speaking of uh, games, what did you make of last week's uh, derby between Victory and City? It seems to be the game that nobody wants to lose. It was a couple of consecutive you, you, draws. You thought they both played to draw, do you? Not necessarily, but there was a little bit of a handbrake on, I think, because neither neither coach is willing to take that extra extra level of risk in the last fifteen minutes. I didn't feel. To, to really put the pressure on. What I did find interesting from that game was the way that Victory had prepared meticulously to target Melbourne City's uh, use of their fullbacks. Correct. So if you look at the goal um, that Victory scored, it's Scott Jamison stepping into midfield when the ball's on the opposite Correct. side. Again, which is a, a quickly taken free kick. Well, I mean, they, no, no, they gave it away. Again, a mm. quickly taken free kick. But if you see when Victory win the ball and get there, it's... Uh, immediately obvious that Marco Rojas is motoring towards Absolutely. the space that uh, Jamison has vacated. Correct. That's and exactly even though right. it comes from the other side, it's it's uh, uh, obviously Rojas that and comes in And this is the same Rojas. This is the same Rojas that the New Zealand uh, All Whites didn't want to have in their squad. Yeah, interesting that. I've, I haven't been hugely convinced by his performances this season. He's well, lacked a he, bit of confidence. He, but he, he's, he, look, if you ever want to get mm. Rojas fit and firing. You just mm. play him against City <laughs> because he seems to grow. It's as if yeah. someone has bet him. Must be I don't know if it's a family friend or uh, maybe a girlfriend that's that's got in his ear. You can't play against City, and he just steps up. I've never seen I've never seen him as anything as 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 not potent. He's always been uh, a danger. He's always uh, been there to put the ball away. Uh, and I've hated every moment. Um, but he, you can't de- deny uh, people who are talented. Um, he has and, a reputation for scoring in derbies now. Oh, you think? I think, it, I think it's some really? uh, line in the song. I would never have said that. I, th- I think there, there's a line he, in the song. He, he loves it. He, he loves, loves the victory. It. He hates the heart. Oh, <laughs> he has no heart, that boy. He's a New Zealander. He's got no heart. Um, look, I, I think he's a tremendous player. Um, uh, it, it, it was interesting that the New Zealanders – didn't uh, pick him in their in their team, is it? So I, I'm surprised, mm. but I I wouldn't be surprised uh, to hear, uh, and I have no way of checking this, if um, Popovich had not made a phone call to New Zealand, going, "Listen, I need him, okay? Thanks very much," and put the phone down, because he's he's like that. He loves he loves 
stepping in and creating mischief where he can. <laughs> and, I, um, and can I just say, I don't think he's addressed or answered any of the questions about Bill Pappas. How lucky has he been? Mm. He skirted all the media, came in late to the, to the season, just as the season started, and no media outlet has asked him about it. I'm wondering if there's a 60 Minutes reporter pursuing him <laughs> because they've done a little expose on Bill Pappas. You know, he took, no, I think he 60 took, Minutes are only interested in the foreign owners. So. Oh, of course, the, that's right, the, mm. um, the sports the washing. No, the sports washing, which has raised a few uh, questions in England. What happens to Chelsea, my friend? What happens to them? Does Candy buy it? Mm. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, it's, it, I what mean, an doesn't... extraordinary situation where now governments are telling uh, you know, businesses, you can't, you can't own this and you can't have that, and more importantly, you can't access your money. Mm. Very interesting times. Yeah, I wasn't expecting the the sanctions. I have to say, I was very surprised when they uh, listen. When Arsenal, came one of it. Arsenal's uh, owners, made sure he got his super yacht out mm. out of Malta and on its way to Turkey. Seems to me that any any port of call, but if it's Turkish, it's even better because Erdogan, uh, their, their president, has a particularly uh, fine uh, hotline straight to Vladimir Putin. I, I was actually listening to uh, the the great. Uh, Irish uh, sports journalist, uh, very dry wit, Ken Early, uh, who we've had on a couple of times. And uh, his comment on the whole situation was uh, if if Chelsea, the football club, was somehow seaworthy, it would be in the Maldives by now. <laughs> you know, How beautiful. Out of, out of extradition territory. Absolutely. Uh, beyond extradition. <laughs> yeah, That's right. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, we don't have an extradition duty or Unfortunately, they, uh, they couldn't fit Chelsea on a boat. So, uh, in London, it remains. Mind you, have you seen um, the boat that belongs <laughs> to uh, Roman Abramovich? It is $800 million. Sorry. 800, yes, $800 million, about 400 million pound. Mm. That's some vessel. Mm. You, you can't get 27 players on there? Are you sure? <laughs> I can't mm. fit the stadium either, unfortunately. Oh, well. It's not a portable building. But well. um, they've got a few contracts expiring, including Antonio Rudiger. So if, they, if the sanctions aren't lifted in time, they literally will not be able to re-sign him because they cannot sign contract Will they be allowed to play in the final of the uh, European Championship if they make it? I, I think they will. I don't think there's been any indication from UEFA that they're going to ban Russian-owned teams. R- listen very carefully. You don't tell your enemy what you're going to do. Mm. You don't give True. them a, a warning. You you make sure you strike when it's most convenient. Thank you very much. I, I mean, UEFA's already banned Russian-based clubs. Uh, is po- Poland is was supposed to be playing uh, Russia. That's that's been called off. Yes, so Poland has been given the forfeit win. Wow. So uh, after, I mean, incredible. It was times. sort of it was sort of predictable once Poland said they wouldn't play them, and the Czech Republic and Sweden both said they wouldn't play them. Um, so you know, either FIFA was going to let Russia automatically qualify for the World Cup, and then if all the other nations followed suit, potentially win the World Cup by default, or they had to kick them out. So Yeah, no, it was a lay down Mazaire. There was only mm. one, one answer, one decision to be made, and it's been made. Mm. An extraordinary one, uh, because FIFA are not renowned for making such bold decisions. Mm. They've, and they had to be bullied and, into it. And but... Yes, and UEFA too. They also came to the party late. Um, what have you made of the hour of football? We started... With the outstanding news that Ash Barty is a contender for the Matildas, if she <laughs> wishes, we're happy to fast track her into the side. Uh, and this is all, of course, trying to preempt the AFL from wanting to use her in the AFLW competition. Well, I, if I remember correctly, she was actually um, filmed playing cricket in the in the airport, wait, waiting for a delayed flight. Mate, so. have, I, have I told you she's a brilliant cricketer? You know, she's uh, and Australia, of course, have won six in a row or seven in a row. In so what I'm saying World is it might, not be the AF, it might not be the AFL we have to fend off for our services. So you think it's a cricket? It might be Cricket Australia. But, but uh, it's, it's, if, it's, if it's cricket, not a problem. I'm happy to carry her kit bag <laughs> uh, as long as she's available for the Matildas, even if it's a, it's, even if it's a walk-on. Mm. Uh, Ash Barty, love you. Would love you even more if you were a supporter of them. And Maybe she can have a word to Elise Perry and uh, wow. see, if, see if we could bring her back into the fold as well. Now, wouldn't that be something? <laughs> could you imagine? Talk about weaponry. 
Okay, so then we talked about the the two Melbourne clubs that were struggling to come to terms with the name. Mm. Uh, what's in a name? Well, clearly, if you're if you're a zebra, you don't want uh, Moreland to access it, and you don't want Juventus to access it. I just hope the Brunswick I just hope the legal case doesn't uh, draw the attention of the Turin-based Juventus, who oh. might come in and sue the both of them. A countersuit. Speaking of uh, of Juventus, what are, what have you made of Dybala being told uh, when we don't need you anymore? It's, it's just, uh, unthinkable. I can't I can't wrap my head around it to be honest. Does he go to Spurs? Well, uh, Antonio Conte and him uh, had a good relationship, did they not? Yeah, they did. So, so does he go there? I, I think he'd be great there. Um, How would you use him? Where Where would you use him in the current? Uh, set up. He would probably play the Kulisevsky role. Hey, tell I tell you what. But Kulisevsky's been okay. Two young boys have come to that club, mm. and you know the initial response was, "Ah, oh, yeah, Kulisevsky, twenty year old, and Betten Kerr." Um, haven't they been mighty? Uh, yeah, Dan Kulisevsky looks to me like born to play Premier League, mm. and Betten Kerr. How cool is that guy? What a what um, a great uh, practitioner of the game. Well, you know, he, I like the Uruguayan he, he looks, midfielders and defenders. The, uh, they, they make some, uh, in, in terms of the, the players with grit and also, uh, I guess, big game smarts. Look, Kerr caught me out the first mm. uh, week or two because he kept losing the ball. Mm. But he had made the adjustments by the end of the game. Mm. So first half, yeah, he'd lost the ball three or four times. He's a, he's a smart half, player. Again, I, I mm. saw him the other night in, in what was an important game for Spurs against West Ham. And he was just uh, as advertised, international Uruguayan playing with style and vigour and smarts. Mm. There were some pa- couple of passes he laid on. He's starting to show us a, a creativity that our midfield at, at, at Tottenham has lacked all year. Mm. Uh, you heard, the, you saw the occasional pass from from Winks, and everyone would go, "Oh, wonderful!" But not nearly consistent enough. Uh, and this young man, uh, Rodrigo Betancur, is doing it now almost every game. And uh, Kulusevski, to me, has has done something I didn't think was imaginable half a dozen weeks ago. He's made Lucas uh, Moura um, an impact player off the bench, and that might be the best role for Lucas Moura these days. It may well be. It may well be, um, but what a couple of additions. If, if Paratici uh, does more of that uh, in the off-season, hey, bring on 23, I say, and, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we might have to visit London and see what's going on. Before we go. What have you got? Real Madrid nil, Barcelona 4. Wow. You, watch it? Uh, you see, again, a, a month or so ago, if I'd run that line past you, you, you would have gone, George... George, another senior moment. <laughs> it, it would have been quite seriously ludicrous to say, but they've been mighty, uh, aided by, I might add, by uh, by the fact that Messi left. Mm. Everyone's saying, "Oh, if it hadn't if he hadn't left, no, 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 no." For this to happen, Messi had to leave mm. because suddenly the money that they needed to bring in others and to pay them, right, was was absolutely locked up around Messi leaving. So even mm. by leaving even the then, club, he's still helping Barcelona. And even then with the wage controls, Aubameyang had to take a huge pay cut to join Barcelona. Oh, that's hurt him, hasn't it? <sighs> he's now buoyant. He's mm. now showing all and sundry that his brand is Barcelona. And, uh, you know, he's looked, he's looked anything but an Arsenal player. And yet his departure from Arsenal has helped Arsenal. I've, I haven't seen the Gunners look this potent. It hurts me to say it, but since he left, Arsenal have actually kicked on and uh, look a, a really impressive unit, and I don't know if we can beat them. You know what's interesting about Xavi turning to Aubameyang is a few years ago in an interview, uh, he was he was still at Al-Sad in, in Qatar, and he yep. was asked about his old club's rumoured transfer targets, and he actually questioned whether Aubameyang would fit the Barcelona mould. He said... Um, he was talking about Mane and Aubameyang. He said yeah. they can kill you in open space, but Barcelona need players who know how to move in small spaces. 
And I'm thinking about a player who would adapt to Barcelona and it's not easy to find one. But it seems so, as if Aubameyang's just fine. Thank yeah, but, you very much. But it also t- tells you exactly uh, what, uh, what talk is. It's mm. cheap. At the end of the day, the public response to a question was that, yeah, and it fitted a beautiful interview and at the time looked really potent and, and, and accurate. Uh, at the end of the day, he's using him brilliantly mm. and the player has grown afoot and suddenly he's fit enough to do that back lip, that back flip on that super leap, the pretend, you know, Sam Kerr jump, mm. um, uh, that he wasn't doing at Arsenal. Uh, and it seems to me that just as Messi helped, uh, you know, Barca reach this stage, Obama Yang's departure from Arsenal has lifted the gunners. And, it, and, it, and I hate that. <laughs> when, um, do, when do we play that, uh, that postponed game? Is it played at the, the Emirates or is it being played at Hotspur? Good question. I don't have that because to, to me, to me, wherever we play them, we're in trouble. I think uh, that's going to be the game that decides if we're in the four or not. So the game against Spurs yes. has not been rescheduled yet. Uh, it's not on the fixture list that okay. I'm looking at. Okay. So okay, uh, we're yet yet to find out uh, when that one will will happen. But the other player I wanted to mention who I've been really impressed with at Barcelona recently is another Uruguayan, uh, Ronaldo Rojo. Oh. Uh, what a what an insight, eh? Mm. And he's scoring goals. He he's scored getting into position against every other member of the top top five in Spain. I think. There you go. I think that was the stat. He scored. He's definitely scored against Atletico as well, and against Sevilla. Uh, so, I mean, he's definitely a big game player. That's what I say about the Uruguayans. They uh, <laughs> they they have the sense of the occasion, and he's learning to play the Barcelona way. He wasn't when he first arrived. I don't think the kind of defender in the PK mould who's so comfortable on the ball or a converted midfielder as they've often played there. He's a pure central defender with that kind of tackling and recovery speed and aerial mm-hmm. ability. But he's slowly learning uh, to be more confident bringing the ball out from defence. Uh, and he's being well taught about where his passing options are. And I think all of the, uh, the, the pre-training rondos are doing him good with the little one-touch passing. I think he's improving in that department. So he, he could be a world-class central defender in a couple of years. What did you make of Ancelotti's um, uh, hands up saying it was my fault? Well, I think he's right. <laughs> I mean... No, Only? No, nothing to do with the players, just him? Well, of course, there's always something to do how with many, the players. How many were missing? Now. Benzema. <laughs> mm-hmm. And who else? Uh, it was the left-back Phil and Mendy, I thought. They... They made a silly mistake because David Alaba is playing central defend, defense now and that's his position and I guess you don't want to break up your central defensive Correct. partnership. Yep. But in this specific instance, playing Nacho Fernandez at left back where he was going to get torched by Adama Traore and Aubameyang and whoever else uh, drifted out to that flank was a misstep. And I think Alaba could have just thought back to when he used to be the best in the world in that position and shifted across and swapped places. And the other the other puzzling selection uh, decision was trying to reinvent the wheel and play Luka Modric as a false nine when you've got many, many, many tens of millions of euros of striker in Luka Jovic sitting on the bench and apparently he's persona non grata at Real Madrid. They, even go. when Benzema's out, they won't, they won't give him a run. Just go back to the other player that you mentioned, Adama Traore. Mm. Couldn't get a regular role at Wolves. Oh, he Spurs, played pretty often. Spurs wanted him, mm. right? He's gone to Barca. He's a beast. So it's how you use them. Mm. It's got to be – now we're learning. Now we're really seeing. If, you, if your eye is good, it's not so much the players. It's how they fit into systems. And some systems allow them to really be quite something – you, you see them. Adama's, and the, the knock on Adama was that he never fit into a system. Well. And apparently well, it's been proven wrong. He looks like they've made him a velvet suit and he's wearing it uh, <laughs> with great, uh, great uh, uh, style. And let me tell you, he, he looks like he's ready to, to just tear defences apart. He's a huge unit uh, and a tremendously gifted player. But they've always said, oh, his first touch is, is not good enough. He doesn't finish. Well, he's, what's he done for Barca? He's helped them start and he's helped them finish. Just tremendous stuff. Just tremendous stuff. 
Oh, I think they'll be singing about this one for a while. And Real Madrid, he brought out a special black commemorative kit for the game. <laughs> I don't know whether the, the fans who bought those will be, uh, you know, wearing them. They might use them to, to scrub the car or something. Yeah. Okay, so let's 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 <laughs> have to get banish your, that memory, let's, quick let's smart. Get, well, let's let's get your uh, your your um, because we're going to we're going to re- review this next week. Uh, your tip for tomorrow night: Stadium Australia, Japan, Australia, or Australia, Japan. I think it'll be an honourable draw. I'm going 1-1. Okay. I'm going a 1-0 win to Australia against the odds. Wow. Yep. Scored by, you name it. You tell me. Bruno Fonarov. Of course. (laughs) Off the bench. Could you imagine? Free kick, maybe? Well, why not? Mm. Why not? Um let me tell you, the Japanese will be reviewing some tapes <laughs> if he gets on. <laughs> Who's this quick, guy? Let's have a look. Exactly right. <laughs> Does he speak Australian? <laughs> no, no. Exciting times. Um, uh, Brisbane Raw playing City tonight. What's your gut feeling? I think oh, I think City can get the job done. Okay. I think they've had a few issues defensively, but and they're missing four players. Mm, that's true. That's true. Oh, you're swaying me a little bit. See, see what happens. Yeah, I, I look Brisbane Raw. I, I've tried to back them in this season. They've let me down time and again. So I'm going to tip against them, and maybe, maybe I'll, I'll play a bit of reverse psychology. And I'm saying a draw. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I can see that. Melbourne victory playing uh, Western United tonight as well. Okay, I can pick this. Mm. Not a problem at all. One nil to Western. It's a draw. Okay. I just think it's that important. Johnny, mm. Johnny has got to draw a line in the sand and say, no, no, no. We, we're, they got pummeled by Sydney. That's true. And Sydney looked awfully good. Uh, and what did we see? We saw the grand players of S- Sydney over the last three or four years who've been dynamic with the opening goal combo. That was a beautiful goal. That, that, that would have beaten in most sides. And they had then that was the sort of puncture really affected the confidence of Western United because they don't like conceding goals, and that hurt them. Mm. They didn't see that coming. No. Um, so, interesting times. I'm, I'm going to go 1-0 to Western. Ooh. I reckon they can turn it around. Okay. All right. And no, no daggers or, or falami for, for victory, remember? So their, their ah, firepower correct. is a little limited Minimized. tonight. Okay. All right. Well, that's our program, State of Our Football Nation on FNR. George Danikian and Josh Parrish catch you next week. Actually, right. You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR.